Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to Plenty for Everyone, our podcast for conscious leaders like you. My name is Jennifer Mulholland, and this is Jeff Shuck. We're the co-authors of Plenty. I'm calling in from Snowy Park City, and Jeff is calling in from Michigan City, Indiana. I'm back from a very sunny vacation in Cabo, Mexico, and wishing, honestly, that I could teleport myself back to the sun and the beach and the whales. But no, I am here looking at a very snowy mountain, which is a blessing in and of itself, but um, definitely makes me wish that uh, the teleportation could actually be a skill that I could harness instantaneously. It looked How very you, Jeff, sunny. What's it like there? Well, it looked very sunny in Cabo, and I want to assure people it also is very safe. What, Jen, you've related to me is that uh, Mexico knows what they're doing in terms of COVID prevention, and that was really interesting, and I'm so glad for you. You got got nourishing, safe travel. We took a week off from the podcast, and that's why um, I was, while Jen was in Cabo, I was in snowy Indiana. We We don't get nearly as much snow as Park City, but we got like three feet last week, which was really fun. And three feet of snow here means school gets canceled. And my kids and I built a huge snow ramp in our front yard that I think Sierra put on Plenty's um, Instagram feed. So you can check it out. So it wasn't the same as listening to whales in, in during the sunrise every morning, but it was pretty nice. <laughs> and now we're back and we have a really... Nice episode today, and it's a little bit of kind of inside baseball to some of our work. So we wanted to just orient people to who our guests are going to be. Yeah, we have um, such a wonderful set of clients, and we're so grateful to attract hope helpers like yourselves that really want to make a difference in the world. That is one of our core missions at Plenty, to really help conscious leaders make this world a better place. And one of our clients is um, interestingly named City of Hope, uh, a National Cancer Institute designated um, for comprehensive cancer care. And we've been so fortunate to have the opportunity to work with them the past year through the 2020 conundrum of massive change and massive uncertainty as they looked to grow their Walk for Hope Um, which is a peer-to-peer program. And for those of you who don't know what peer-to-peer is, it literally means person-to-person, passion-to-passion to fuel community, to fuel growth. And they took their event virtual through the 2020, um, you know, changes. And so we have a delightful conversation with Scott Archambaud, who is the associate Vice President of Community Philanthropy and Engagement for City of Hope, and Allison Sprachkin, who's the Senior Executive Director of Signature Events Development for the City of Hope. Um, and we were excited to have you here, just what they learned, what they went through, how they made some decisions, and how they really were able to mobilize their loyalists and their volunteers and the people in their community that care so much about the good work of the hospital, the research, um, and of the treatments that City of Hope provides. Yeah, and there's so many great themes that come out, but again, we thought it might help people who aren't familiar with some of our work just to orient you to what you're going to hear and maybe to orient you to some of our work that we don't talk about. You know, from time to time, we have guests on or past or current clients on. Um, But in this case, you might not know that Plenty has really deep roots in not only the cancer space, and we've worked with almost every major cancer hospital out there in the last 20 years, but also in this, this field that Jen called peer-to-peer fundraising. And again, it's, it's anything like if you, if you think of a big walk or like 
outdoor marathons or when your friend asks you even to buy Girl Scout cookies for their daughter. That's all peer-to-peer. It's just an organization reaching out to its community to help to get other people to reach out for it. And it's a, it's a massive field. But over the last year, it's really impacted. You know, if you can't even go outside, you can't do a marathon. You can't do a big fundraising gala. And so a lot of our clients have really struggled to adapt. And through that, we've deepened relationships with lots of groups. So specifically, Scott and Allison came to us in the midsummer last year, around July, and just said, look, we do this thing called Walk for Hope that usually has about 12,000 people and we do it every November and we're not sure what to do. You know, we, we want to do something, but we don't know what it should look like. And so we launched into an engagement with them. And for us, that means doing a lot of listening and mobilizing their constituents and finding out what people want to do and are people even ready to do an event. And it became, I think, Jen, just such a fulfilling engagement not just because we ended up bringing something to ground in November that was was really successful, but because of the people we met in the organization, the volunteers, the doctors, the fundraisers, the marketers were just so passionate and frankly delightful to to talk with. And you're going to hear us get into that with Allison and Scott, but man, it was you can't do justice in a half hour to all the work we did. And I think everything we learned from the lovely people we, we met there. Yeah. So what you're going to hear in the following episode of around 45 minutes or so is a few th- different themes. One is you're going to hear Scott and Allison talk about how they were able to actually lead through a time of massive uncertainty city of Hope is based in California. And so that state, more than many states and or all of the states in the United States was locked down the most. And then they had California fires on top of it. And then the social unrest that was happening in 2020. And so you'll hear um, them talk about how they were able to find the best decision for them um, when it was really uh, uncomfortable, unknowing and uncertain. Um, and kind of unpack how they were able to make some of those decisions that were necessary to carry on. Yeah, that part's fascinating. And one of the things you'll hear us talk about is sometimes you just have to commit and trust the rest is going to follow. From there, we get into an idea that, that Jen says a lot and that you've heard on the podcast a lot, which is that organizations are made up of people, which means we kind of rise and fall with the passion of the people in the organizations. And and. A lot of times a leader's job, a conscious leader's job is to make sure that what their team is doing is aligned with the passions they have and that collectively the passion of the team is aligned with the with the vision of the organization. And Scott has a really delightful way of saying that, and I'm going to let him speak for himself, but he talks about this idea of, you know, especially when times are difficult, enlisting the heart of the people around us is is more important than speaking to their heads. And it's a really nice part of the conversation. Yeah. And then you'll hear us unpack, you know, something we talk a lot about on our podcast and certainly is at the center of all of our delivery models around, help, you know, helping companies and organizations really create strategy from the inside out. And that core centerpiece is passion. And how do we harness the passion of the people that make up the organization? You know, what do they care about? And City of Hope has done a wonderful job of harnessing the care and not losing it against the context of the goals. And we talk a little bit about that nuance of how do you set financial metrics and goals without losing the power of passion that really is the fuel behind growth. Um, and some organizations, you know, flip flop it, right? So metrics are most important, passion, or the people can come later. In City of Hope's case, they've really kind of reversed it. The people matter most, the passions matter most, and you see it take life and take form in the financials. Um, it's a wonderful model to follow. And we hope that as you 
hear Scott and Allison share, just being in process of reflection of 2020 and then how they're making a decision to move forward in a hybrid way for 2021. We hope that you'll find value in listening, especially if you are a peer institution looking at how do I make the best decisions for my own event, my own fundraising campaigns, the what is my way to unlock growth in a year of continued uncertainty as we look forward to, to the summer and fall for in-person events. Lovely. So why don't we turn to the conversation with Scott and Allison, and then maybe, Jen, we can come back. We'll close things out and unpack any of the final takeaways. But enjoy. We hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did. If you are not familiar with this amazing organization, the City of Hope is a National Cancer Institute designated to um, create cancer care and to support the healing, the treatment, and the research for, for cancer across the country. And they're based in California. They were founded in 1913, and they're just an incredible group of human beings. They have a hospital in California, and we'll let Scott and Allison um, our beloved clients share a little bit more, but welcome. We're so grateful to have Yay. this live conversation with you today. Thank welcome. you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yay. There's so many things to say. And one of the things that we want to talk about is what we've talked about all year on this podcast, which is the, the odd world that we're living in and how we're all navigating it and how we're making it a world that's worth being in. And we've lived through a lot of that with you since last summer maybe the place to start is just like with the basics tell us where you are right now where are you how are you doing and where where are we finding you today this morning how are we doing probably the same as the much of the rest of the world is doing at this point still kind of in this covid maze trying to figure everything out we like many people went you know started working from home went largely remote you know, remote client meetings, everything, no in-person for almost a year. I think we're coming up on a year at this yeah. point. And so it was about mid-March last year when that all, when the bottom kind of fell out for everyone and our event, uh, which is Walk for Hope, uh, that's our, that's our uh, large event, our main event. Uh, it's a, in normal years, it's a 2K, 5K event and campaign. It's on City of Hope's campus in Duarte, uh, California, which is just outside of Los Angeles. And um, it, it, in 2019, it had 12,000 people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it was mid-March and I thought, oh, we're not till October. We'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> and <laughs> famous last words. Yeah. And so, and then the world continued to get weirder and weirder and the COVID situation <laughs> seemed to get worse and worse. And somewhere around, you know, mid-April, early May, I thought, I don't know if we're going to be fine. <laughs> and I don't know if we're going to have a 12,000-person event, and it's really feeling like we're not going to. Um, and so, obviously, there had to be, you know, we were all, it's hard to see more than a day or two ahead of any, you know, for anybody because it was so strange and and unprecedented, really, at least in our lifetime. And, um, and so, we, you know, discussed it with... With our leadership and ultimately by about, I don't know, I think it was about mid-May when we'd made the decision to that it would be virtual. And then of course, what does that mean? Because right, right. that wasn't a thing until 2020. You know, there were vir certainly virtual fundraising campaigns, but they were ones that were always intended to be virtual, not ones that are supposed to be huge community events. And Walk for Hope um, is the largest public-facing event that City of Hope produces. So this was a pretty big deal that we weren't going to be having it, but, you know, obviously the everyone's safety and uh, health and safety is of utmost importance. And aside from that, I mean, even local and state laws, you know, rules or regulations at the time weren't even going to allow it, you know? So, so then we went down the rabbit hole of what does that mean? <laughs> and I think pretty quickly discovered, you know, there's, there's no, there's not necessarily experts in, virtual walks or virtual bike rides or virtual runs because it hasn't existed before. So we're all sort of writing history here, but I would say that it was incredibly helpful to work with you because even though like everyone else, you may not have ever been in that world before, you know, it, it, to this extent anyway, um, there were certainly virtual components to events, but this was, yeah, this was weird. 
And, you know, just to have you sort of help us to kind of center and think outside the box and, and take the peer-to-peer -peer expertise that you have and the peer-to-peer -peer expertise that Scott and I have and come up with a concept and figure out what that meant and, and become, you know, we were a bit paralyzed there for a few months, like everybody just not knowing. Well, let's, we're going to, you've teed up a few interesting nuggets. I think we want to explore be, before we get there. And I think one to start with is it's amazing to think, you know, it was a year ago, really, when this started mm -hmm. to unfold 11 months ago. And so to back up maybe to where you are right now, you're calling in from your home, right? Mm -hmm. And you're in, tell us where you are. I'm in Los Angeles. Okay. I mean, I think that's one of the most amazing things I'd start with is I don't have any idea what your office looks like, but I know your what your home looks like. I at least know what <laughs> one wall looks like. Right. And it's such a, right. like kind of an interesting delight about, and maybe, <laughs> maybe to, to do a quick segue to hear the same from Scott. I actually, Scott, have no idea what your home looks like because you always have a Zoom backdrop going on. But right. that's Scott's office. <laughs> maybe it Scott, if you're not watching, has a backdrop wow. of a like a Fifth Avenue um, right. office. Um, one of My the Mad Men office. Yeah. yeah, it does look very mad. Scott, why don't you tell us where you are? And then maybe the, the follow-up to that would be just if you wouldn't mind taking a, a few minutes to expand on what Jennifer talked about, about what, for people who don't know, tell us a little bit about City of Hope and what they do and the incredible work that, that they bring to the world. Sure. So I am here in my home uh, in West Hollywood, California. And one time I'm, I'm grateful at the same time as, you know, I'm disturbed as everyone else by this whole thing. I'm grateful for the, the light that it shed on um, opportunities going forward even, you know, whereas in the past we wouldn't have had a national walk like this in, in this way. And one of the things that we discovered is that we, uh, we expanded our email list to include everyone outside of our local area and attracted people from 42 different states to participate. So that's, that's amazing. And it, was, it ended up being about 7% of our events. So in that way, I'm grateful. I think there's a great opportunity. City of Hope is, is an amazing place. We do focus on cancer and diabetes and other life-threatening illnesses. We do have some work in Alzheimer's, in AIDS, HIV, and some other uh, areas, but uh, primarily uh, cancer and diabetes. Uh, it was started uh, over 100 years ago in 1913 as two tents on the, on the plane uh, as, a, as a tuberculosis hospital. And it was uh, dry. It was the dry climate that people liked the uh, the tuberculosis to treat tuberculosis. Wow. Huh. I, I never heard that. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And the legend has it that that it was uh, we were offered either a hundred acres in Malibu or a hundred acres in Duarte, and and we're in Duarte. Um, <laughs> But it's, a, it's an amazing place, uh, bench to bedside research. One of the things that people don't know about City of Hope is we have three manufacturing facilities on our campus. So drugs that are developed at City of Hope can be manufactured there sometimes. And so it really helps and aids in the bench to bedside um, dynamic that, um, that so many organizations pride themselves on, but City of Hope can take it that extra mile. Uh, we're in a tremendous time of growth for, for um, the, the institution right now. Uh, we have a lot of construction going on. We have a major project going on in Orange County where we're investing a billion dollars to expand our cancer care to and diabetes care to Orange County. Uh, it's just an amazing time of momentum and uh, excitement on campus, um, even though we're not there. Uh, many of us are not there. We yeah. had, out of our 6,000 employees, about 3,500 ended up going virtual. Um, so that's kind of the, I think that that's about the mix that we, we have. So um, the rest of them are the clinical people that are on, on campus treating the patients. So Scott, as you reflect on 2020, you know, with one thing that we have directly experienced working with you is just the amazing quality of human beings that you have at the institution. And part of 
at the foundation and part of our work with you last year was really to interview and to listen and discover what the needs were to help you kind of enhance and expand your walk for hope. And we were just blown away about the passion, about the genuine care, about the legacy and how many people have been there for so long that have such rich history, not only being on potentially the caregiving side, but in some cases we talked to board members and executives that not were physicians themselves or caregivers themselves and then patients themselves. And it was just such an interesting opportunity to really hear the quality of not only the care, literally, but also the intentionality of the people that you've surrounded yourself with and the people that you get to, to be a part of, both of you. In Plenty's view, people matter, people make up movements, people make up the organization. And, and as you look back on 2020, maybe we can explore for those peer-to-peer peer or peer institutions that are looking to you to say, how did you do it in 2020? Like, how did you perform the way that you did? And for many of you who don't know, City of Hope was one of the top performers in the peer-to-peer -peer industry of being able to expand their community and to have the least amount of loss, if you will, from revenue in how you engage the expanded community virtually. Maybe talk a little bit about as you reflect on what worked in 2020 and how you're kind of looking ahead and evaluating how to move forward in 2021. Maybe the two of you can highlight, you know, what, what do you think you did right and, and what really worked? I've been, I've been at City of Hope since the fall of 20, December 2016. Uh, I started as a contractor um, for City of Hope to look at the walk. And since then, uh, in April, the following year, 2017, I, I started as a uh, full-time employee. So um, it's coming up on four years now that I've been a full-time employee. And really, my first initial project was to evaluate the walk and see what opportunities there were. And there were a number of opportunities, uh, probably about 20, that I had listed in a presentation. And it's been an interesting longitudinal experience. You know, not all of those 20 have happened at the same time or um, have, and, and they all have happened to certain degrees. But one of those was our internal campaign. And that was a, a definite marker for um, within our employees and our, um, and our, and our physicians and, and uh, faculty. They came through for us this year um, and they raised almost um, close to $500,000 alone. And looking to internal audiences was definitely a focus given that, I mean, by the same token, um, you know, everyone is dealing with the health um, and the, the clinical aspects of COVID as well. So um, it was not a guaranteed source of revenue that we were going to be able to, to do that. The volunteers are amazing. They, um, they really have a, an amazing dedication to City of Hope. We have volunteers that have been here um, volunteering for 50, 60 years, and they uh, live and breathe City of Hope. They know it better than we do. It's it's just incredible, and the dedication and and um, and support. Uh, I, I just can't say enough about about uh, our volunteers and our donors. Yeah, I would agree, and I think Jennifer, you you touched on this is sort of the nucleus that we have with our volunteers and our longtime supporters. They really are, we have quite a loyal fan base, you know, for A City of Hope does, and, and The Walk does specifically as well. I mean, I think I was, I started shortly after Scott in like June of 2017, and, you know, I, I've always considered myself fortunate that I walked into a volunteer base and a participant base that was so invested that there were certainly opportunities to grow this walk, uh, you know, 100%. But just to have that as a foundation is really amazing. And, you know, we didn't know, like the rest of the world, this wasn't unique to us. We didn't know how people would receive anything in 2020. I mean, people were scared. 
They were scared for their own health. They were scared for the health of their loved ones. They were confused. They were completely blindsided, you know, in many instances. Um, of course, there was, it wasn't, it wasn't just COVID either, right? I mean, there was so much that happened in 2020. You know, we had, um, you know, th- there was a, there was a, th- the social unrest and the, the sort of long overdue moment of needing to address that mm-hmm. long overdue. Um, and in California here, we had, we had historic wildfires on top of it. I mean, it was, the, the year was just, it was, it was so a I lot. I totally forgotten it, about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we, we, on top of everything else, we, you know, California was burning down basically. Um, you know, we couldn't even go outside. We couldn't breathe the air for, for a short period of time. And it was pretty crazy. And there's always wildfires here. That wasn't unusual, but it was extreme. It was definitely extreme. Um, and and it, you were the most locked down state too. Right. We were the country and still we, are. Right. We, we were the yeah. first and we might be the last. So, right. So, yeah, I mean, and then, of course, you know, the numbers started creeping up here and just, you know, and just, you know, at first it was sort of the numbers were okay in California with the precautions that, that is the state was taking. And then it just kind of exploded. And so there was so much going on. And, I, you know, we didn't know if people would even be tuned in enough to, you know, think about walk for hope if people would even be if people were so distracted understandably and scared and you know businesses were suffering and people were losing their jobs and it you know just it was just a nightmare scenario really um but scott is right in that we you know we did learn what we could make of it um and we did learn that the that for many of our longtime volunteers and and supporters their their loyalty and dedication to city of hope is so fierce that they still wanted this walk, even if it had to be, you know, even if we couldn't get together, even if it had to be, you know, virtual, even if it had to, we just sort of had to clunk our way through it, through the unknown, really, they they still wanted it. And that was, you know, that was, as did the employee base that Scott um, just mentioned, you know, our internal sources of revenue, Um, people still showed up. The key volunteers and, and donors still, still showed up. I mean, it was really pretty amazing to see we had employees with their house that you know burned down or were evacuated from mm-hmm. so so that's part of all part of uh, the landscape we were doing this under <laughs> so one of the things and maybe you've just answered the question but you know i'd love to go we're kind of dancing around the timeline but i'd love to go back to where you were just leaving off, Allison, it's kind of May 2020 or June 2020, and and talk about, you know, why you just didn't bag it in. I mean, for, for people who've listened to the podcast before, there's a metaphor we use about, about leadership, and we, we use the, the lantern as a symbol. And one of the things it means is, you know, when you're walking at night and you're holding up a lantern, you can only see what's right in front of you. Right. And and often as leaders, we get a little bit paralyzed by the what ifs or the sounds in the dark. But really, all you can do to make decisions is look at what's right here. And And maybe you've just answered that question. But with all of the uncertainty and the fires and the, the lockdown, why didn't this predated you contacting us? By the time you reached out to us, I think in July, you had already known you were going to do it, but maybe mm-hmm. take us through why didn't in May you just say, screw it. We're not going to do it at all. What was the thing that, that had you say, no, we don't know what's coming, but we're going to keep walking even though it's uncertain. Well, I mean, I, I think it, it was a few things. Obviously the thought crossed through my, my mind. Do we just cancel this year? I mean, should we just go kind of crawl into a hole and <laughs> pull the covers over our head and just pretend this year isn't happening and assume that, you know, nobody wants to do anything. So let's just wait for next year. I mean, there were two things. One was, you know, I, I think skipping a year, you risk losing your relevance. You risk losing your sort of place in the, in the city of hope philanthropy landscape and in, in the city of hope general landscape. And so we had built so much momentum. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was a little soul crushing that we couldn't continue, you know, that, that, that momentum was being threatened. We, we worked really hard 
as did our, you know, supporters and donors and volunteers worked really hard to get that walk from about, it was at about 735-ish, 735,000 in 2016, before the year before Scott and I started. 2019, it was at 1.6 million. And that was, a, you know, that was a lot of, that was a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication of people, you know, and, and I thought, I, I just sort of felt like if we just don't do it, you know, if we just say, you know what, guys, we obviously can't meet in person. We don't want it to be anything except what it's always been. And we could have made that argument. You know, we could have, it wouldn't have been completely unreasonable. Then I was really afraid that we would lose so much momentum. You know, we, we knew we'd lose a little something year to year going into this is obviously this was such a crazy year, but we, I, I didn't want to, you know, in 20, 21 or 2022 or whenever we could be back in person. I didn't want to be starting from 2016, you know, basically. So that was, you know, just from a strict revenue momentum perspective. But I also think, you know, I, I, this walk is really important to a lot of people, you know, a lot of our, we have a lot of, of, of um, survivors of, you know, the, the walk specifically raises money for the women's cancers program at city of hope. So we have, you know, breast and gynecological cancers is what we're talking about. We have a lot of survivors and this walk means a lot to them. And I mean, that's what I love about peer-to-peer fundraising is you really are empowering people to make a difference, you know? I mean, not not to sound totally cheesy, but really, you, you know, it, it's it's important for people to have that, that um, vehicle, I yeah. think. And to take that away in a year where everything was so crazy, you know, we thought, well, maybe people, this is a, a little bit of an escape for them, you know, maybe they could do something that's not COVID and not the state burning down and not, you know, this, this God awful racism that we've been dealing with for so long coming to a head, you know, maybe this could just be something for them to, you know, something for them to do that's always been meaningful to them. And, you know, let's see if, how the commitment goes in, in when they're challenged in this way. And they really did rise to the occasion. And, and part of it is, uh, you know, just the, the numbers bear it out that that our most dedicated uh, mm-hmm. supporters um, did even more for us than ever before. So um, so we had fewer, far fewer people participate, but those people who did really did an amazing job and um, we're, we're grateful for them. And, and, you know, it's, you know, going forward, we just need to, it's a good reminder. Um, to love the ones who love you. (laughs) And a strategic, you know, focus to be grateful. I think what the two of you speak about and certainly our experience working with you is the demonstration of the power of passion. You know, your volunteer base, that loyalty that you speak to, Allison, you know, in the peer-to-peer model, which at Plenty we say is person-to-person, literally sharing passion-to-passion, that that is the fuel of growth because it's all around shared care. You know, the community growth spawns with shared care. And if we look at our own lives as leaders, we lean into things we care about. We stay on board with things that matter. And I think you've done such a great job. And it's certainly that nucleus that you speak to that is the passion of the volunteers, the passion of the survivors that are helping it continue to grow in a year of, and years of incredible change and shifts and uncertainty. And as leaders, I think the other thing to just point to as you're listening to this is Allison, you used a term uh, that the idea of not doing it. So the idea of just closing it up and waiting another year was soul crushing. Like that was an indicator of like, you know, where you've put in time and effort, that disappointment, that let, that letting go, that, you know, that um, I love how you just phrased it because it's underneath, right? It's not the surface level. And sometimes we're looking at decision-making criteria being very analytical and we do it by the numbers and you know, the comparative A versus B, pros versus cons. But what you're speaking to is deeper. It's that knowing of disappointment if you don't pursue, if you don't persevere, if that grit inside to carry on despite and in spite of changing environment, you know, 
points to a way that we can decide whether we stay on course or whether we shift courses. And I think that was really evident as, and, and evident as part of your success um, in 2020. And as we look at 2021, really curious about now, how do you make decisions for what 2021 looks like? And we know you're, you're in that soup right now and we're helping you with that soup of, you know, is it an in-person event? Is it virtual? Is it a hybrid? And these are questions that other peer institutions that have walks and rides and other events that are peer to peer are all trying to sort and sift out. Um, and maybe just would love to, to hear you both, like, talk, where are you now as you look to making these decisions? And how do you know what's on or off for you um, to make the best decision for Walk for Hope and City of Hope? So, I, you know, I, right this year, I feel like, you know, like those cartoon characters who have like bubbles coming out of their head. And like, like I feel like I just have like question marks all around me. <laughs> so I feel like every day I just like, feel like I walk around in like a circle of question marks because there's so much unknown. I mean, the short answer is, you know, we don't know for sure yet. You know, we're, we're trying to wade through what everything's gonna look like this year. As of right now, our plan is for to have a hybrid event, to have a, you know, some, some in-person component on campus and a robust virtual component. That's, that is the plan. I mean, that's, you know, right now that is, that's the sort of stake we've put in the ground. Um, the walk is not scheduled to no till November 7th. That's, you know, in the world we're living, that's, that's like five lifetimes away. So it, you know, mm -hmm. it, any number of things could happen between now and then to, to impact whatever decisions we ultimately make. Of course, we're going to have to listen to, you know, state and local authorities. Of course, we're going to have to listen to the, the hospital and whatever, you know, whatever protocols and, and whatever, whatever we are or not, are not allowed to do at that time. Um, you know, the hope is that people will continue to get vaccinated and that the numbers will continue to go down. They have dropped quite a bit and even in California, but there's there's kind of two parts to that, and that's what I know we'll be kind of delving into with you guys over this next over these next few weeks. There's a can we do it? Like just you know legally, can we do it from a safety perspective? Can we do it? What can we you know if what what does the hybrid look like? How many people can we have on campus? You know that there's that kind of thing, and then there's also the what is people's appetite for it? Mm -hmm. You know we're going to be on the heels of people being completely traumatized, and so even if you know, if, if you're told tomorrow you can go to a movie theater, are you comfortable going to a movie theater? You know, everyone's going to feel differently. So we're trying to get sort of the pulse of, of where people's heads are at too. So it's a little bit of a two pronged, you know, there's just, can we do it period, you know, and do what, what will people, what are people, what's people's comfort level? And I think it's probably going to take the next couple of months for us to really fully unpack all of that. Yeah, I think one of the things that we're looking at doing is is really where we were at the other day is really talking about the event as a sliding, um, mm -hmm. really having a sliding uh, or or a continuum of responses as far as uh, how virtual and how in person it, it will be, and so uh, we want to design it to adapt up or down the scale depending on what we're able to do. Yeah. There's, there's two things you both just highlighted that I want to, I know you're both humble and you're not going to say this, so I'm just going to embarrass you and, and put, put a fine point on a couple of things that Jen was trying to say too. One, I want to just highlight the service mentality in everything you're saying about how you made the decision in 2020 and how you're thinking about 2021 and the idea of we have constituents out there who need this and you had every reason to take a pass on it and you didn't. And you did it, you did, You committed to doing it without knowing how you do it so other people would benefit. And I just think it's one of the things we have absolutely loved about City of Hope. It comes out in every single person that we've talked to, whether they're on the medical side or the foundation side or whatever their role is, is the commitment to serve. So I just wanna highlight that. It's incredibly yes. inspiring. The other thing I wanna say is, 
the focus on people and and you both said it in terms of 2021 but also 2020 and taking the temperature of other people you know we have worked with so many large nonprofits and all four of us share the background with with some organizations and i would say one of the most gratifying things that we do is is help organizations see the point that Jen made earlier that it's just a collection of people. So we rise or fall based on how invested our community is in our shared success. One of the most frustrating things we do in our work is trying to remind executives that the people actually matter, you know, and, and I would say some of the colossal failures in the nonprofit sector are due to senior management thinking that their community is less important than their brand or that they are. And we've never had that experience at City of Hope. In fact, everyone we've talked to has talked about the opposite, that there is this community and we are servants of it and the community is larger than us. And, and so there's a question in here. And the question is this, Scott, when, when you reached out to us in you know, the summer and you guys had already decided we're going to do it, we don't know how, we have no idea what it looks like, when you called, one of the things you said to me is, I think Plenty can help because you all know community. And that's what I think of Plenty. And I said, well, I got to tell you, this is what we're going to do. We're going to ask you to slow down further. And we're going to want to involve a lot of people. And we're going to want to just listen to them. And instead of you saying, no, look, we got to get to a decision really quick. Like we need it. You said, okay. And we probably talked to Jen 20 different people and have done at least that much since then. And I would love, I would love Scott to, for you to riff a little bit on that. That idea of inclusion is so timely and it's so needed. And yet for most of the groups we work with, we have to convince them to slow down and listen. And you were all on board for that. Can you talk a little bit about where that came from has that always been part of how you've operated it seems to be a part of the city of hope landscape but that idea of listening building coalitions slowing down to speed up i'd love to hear you riff a little bit about that as part of your experience sure i definitely see i mean my my job is to harness the passion uh and the and the um excitement and and willingness to help and and thereby the funds um of people uh and and any any fundraising event is is the collective of everyone's passion and commitment to the mission and so harnessing that is um is is really what i do in translating it into money uh for research and and services um so that that i've always felt like that's what my purpose was um, in in this, and I very much. I mean, this is just um, a a more acute version of that. <laughs> um, and um, but I would I would yeah I, I just think it's it's uh, I, I you know peer to peer fundraising is the collective is the collective um, uh, resources of a group of people and and it's bringing them together around that mission that um that service that progress that you're going to make and so it's um it just almost goes without saying for for me and always has but especially at city of hope well just to to carry on with that i think it is a unique quality and to Jeff's point, it was so refreshing to not have to convince you of the value to slow down and take the time. And would just say, if you're an organization listening in, we can't stress enough the, the value of slowing down to speed up, going deep, really understanding the cares of the people within your nucleus, within your building, within your staff, within your leadership, within your donorship and volunteer you know people is so important that is the architect archetype if you will to building a growing movement and we see a lot of clients struggling right now of the nuance and balance of making a decision around financial metrics and goals 
versus the passion people. Why do we do what we do? Extracting and harnessing that inner momentum, that care, that shared care. And they seem to be at odds. So we find groups that are putting like huge BHAGs of goals that the internal team doesn't believe or buy as possible. But the financial metric is so important to be able to report to a board or report to fellow executives um, that the metric of the fundraising tier or goal is kind of running the show, if you will. And what happens when we're doing that in exclusivity It's demoralizing the internal staff. And then it starts to create a dysfunctional culture, to to put it lightly, right? So maybe the last question, because I know we're coming up on time, is just how are you balancing the financial metrics and measurement with the impact, like the human impact, the, the passion of the people that you're speaking to and that we speak to is literally the engine of growth. And it's a nuance, it's discretionary, it's a delicate balance because we're not saying throw out the financial goals, right? But how are you managing that as you look at 2021 and figuring out what is a viable financial target for fundraising? And how are you balancing that with the decisions you're making to mobilize the people? to hit that out of the park. I think in every job that I've ever had, I've, I've thought, you know, think of the right things to do, do the right things, and the money will follow. And I think that that's uh, actually what we've done here is, is we've taken the passion that exists there at City of Hope and Commitment and harnessed that and stoked it through, you know, having a, an ambassador as the face of, of the Women's Cancers Program by having ambassadors within companies or teams, you know, just enhancing communications about what we're doing with it, having projects that we can point to within the Women's Cancers area to get people excited about it. I think those are all things that really stoke those, the people's passion. And, you know, the, the money, I, I, I do believe in setting big goals, but um, it's always gotten me there. It's always gotten me there. I, I, I've always been able to, uh, you know, I've, I've been in situations where we had 10, 20, 30% growth and, and knowing the right things to do and doing them has always delivered for me. And I think also, you know, one of the amazing things about city of hope and about the, you know, walk for hope base in particular is we, you know, you're right. We, how do you make that decision? You know, the last thing I wanted to do was try to do this big virtual event, spend some amount of money trying to do it and have it completely fail because that feels completely irresponsible as well when in a nonprofit, you know, you have to, I don't, I didn't want to be upside down and feel like, you know, we had just taken away from the, from the needed resource. Um, but we 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 have been very much able to trust in our people, you know, and and trust in their dedication, their loyalty, their willingness to step up. And I think Scott, you know, last year we we did have to be somewhat realistic in our expectations. I mean, our, we exceeded our the original goal that we set. We didn't we didn't know what to expect. I mean, it could have gone yeah. very much one way or another. It, there was no precedent for this, so it could have gone either way. But I think just knowing that having faith in our in our constituents that they would as much as they could in such a weird year come through and that whatever was lost by way of financially, there's short term benefit and long term benefit and that there was something to continuing the momentum and again, keeping this keeping this platform as a vehicle for people um, in their own journeys and in what, you know, and in how they want to activate within City of Hope and knowing that continuing with that and having a little bit of faith in that, I thought would pay off long-term as well. I had to look beyond just 2020 because yeah. if I only looked at 2020, my head would explode. Yeah. I mean, I love the whole, I, I have to make, I know Jen, we probably have time for one more question, but I have to make a point about this too, which is another word we talk about all the time on this podcast, which is the word plenty and the mindset of abundance. And it's it's something that is so 
It's so great to be a part of. It's one of the things I love about City of Hope. I mean, we're kind of gushing a little bit here, but it's just a, a gratifying, it's a gratifying set of engagements for us. And I, and I would kind of borrow one of your turns of phrase, Jen, is that there are groups that we've come in counter that we've come in contact with that are kind of seeing is believing groups. And if you're at a seeing is believing organization, man, you're striving, you're proving everything feels like it's about to fall through. Everyone's on there, you know, anxious all the time. The numbers are never big enough. Everybody's worried about the spreadsheet. It's always about growth, growth, growth. And then there's believing is seeing groups and city of hope is that. Like, and I, I love what you're both saying about making a commitment and not knowing exactly how it's going to happen, but having, having faith, we've talked a lot about hope. So let's bring in faith and saying, like, if we believe it's possible, it will happen. And if you can change your mindset from seeing as believing to believing as seeing all of a sudden, all of those resources that seem so scarce and seem so about to run out become so abundant and plentiful. And I, I just I just love what you're both saying about saying, I, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I know we can do it. And I know that if we take the right intention to serve, the, the great things will happen. And you know, you've, you've honestly given everybody listening, like that's the recipe for great culture right there. It's not any harder than that, but it's so difficult to practice that mindset of, of abundance. If you're surrounded by people who's, who are saying like, it's never going to work. It's going to run out. We're running out of money. We're running out of supporters. And that's never your mentality. Your mentality has always been since we've known you. Wow. There's something great that's about to happen here. And what if, what if we talk to that? You know, <laughs> I have to tell a quick story. We, to, to guard our own time when we start an engagement, we, we kind of map out what discovery will look like with a client. And, you know, in this case, it was like, I don't know, let's talk to eight or 10 people. And then Allison, you were like, well, but you really need to talk to these two people more. And then you gotta, you gotta talk to these two. And if we teamed them up, then we're still like, <laughs> and all of a sudden we're talking to 18 or 20 people, but bring it on, you know, that idea of we could, we can keep drawing the circle bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, that is such an attitude of plenty. And it's just, it's just lovely to be a part of. Well, and it's the opportunity as leaders would just put an exclamation point around this, around leading and model, modeling the way, that modeling the way of, of faith, modeling the way of being a hope helper, modeling the way of believing is seeing. And, you know, love that articulation, Scott, that, you know, I just, it's just always worked for me. Now, not everybody is wired that way. But in the world where we absolutely cannot see any longer, nor really could we ever do, like the, the fallacy that we actually could ever predict the future, it just was more, felt more predictable and more stable. I'm not sure if it ever really was. Right. But this, the idea that we can stay true to ourselves and stay loyal to our belief and when that belief is connected to the cause we're serving and in service of, it's really hard to compete with that. And just encourage you all to continue stepping in to your own faith and leadership of that model, of modeling the way for other institutions, other people, other team members, other partners that you bring in. And that's the opportunity we all have is to model the way as conscious leaders uh, to, to really create and co-create the world we wish to see. It's within our own behavior, our own decision points, and our own um, way of being that can make, um, you know, that impact the way we want it to be. And you guys are just incredible models for that. And we're so grateful to have you one of our beloved clients and friends um, and we just turn, I guess, the last closing over to you. Is there anything else you would like to share that you would like the community of Plenty and our collective community to know before we conclude? I would just say, and you know, for this year especially, flexibility is key. I think last year the word of the year was pivot. 
Um, this, this year, Hello, he is too, by the way. <laughs> this year, it's definitely flexibility. And just, you know, I think keeping, you know, just you got to dance with the unknown a little bit and just stay comfortable in that zone. Like just we're not going to be able to make perfect decisions. We're not going to be able to, in some instances, make entirely informed decisions because there's no information. So, you know, just just be flexible and, you know, can stick with your stick with your gut, stick with what, you know, take your lessons from last year, move them forward to this year and and always think about it with a bridge back to when hopefully we will all be back to functioning normally because that's where this is hopefully all leading and i i would say um uh, two two things one is that um to do that presentation back in 2017 i used plenty's um uh graphics from um from the the 30 top 30 study um when when you did that um and so there was a lot of that in in there so I, i'll let you know that but the other thing is that the results we actually ended up um netting about the same if not more money um than when we had raised three hundred thousand dollars more um so it we we returned more to the to the mission to women's cancers and um again it 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 continues to serve me to 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 know what to do and and just carry it out as flawlessly as possible so that was really lovely we hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did and as usual, I feel like we do this every time, Jen. We had 10 minutes at the beginning where we were laughing that we cut out. And that was, you know, they're just beautiful people. And it's it's nice to be in relationship with them, I guess I'd say. A lot of nice threads there that resonate with the work we do. What, what sticks with you from that conversation? Well, several things uh, stick. I think, again, just gratitude for being able to be in the economy company and in um, client service with people like Scott and Allison and City of Hope. And there are other people there that are just been amazing um, to do work with. But one theme is, is around hope and what hope really means. It means having faith. Um, it means, you know, believing before you can see and really love that point that you brought up, Jeff, of when we, there are two types of groups, one group and one camp that sees to believe and the other group that believes first and then sees as a result of their believing and they model that. And that's what conscious leaders do. There's no right or wrong. It's just what you get to choose to, to model and love that they really are relying on the believing is seeing. And that believing is the hope part, that that is their culture, that is their mission, that is their hospital. It's in their name of their organization. And having faith before you can see in form, faith before form, I think they do an amazing job at modeling that, um, you know, for their staff and for their community and for each other that feels like, a demonstration of conscious leadership. What what did you hear in terms of the key takeaways? Well, I love that. And I think the thing that's going to stick with me, which, which is a point I made a few minutes ago in the conversation with them, is that they might not use this language, but I love the the mentality of abundance that they that they evidenced. And again, I don't know that they, they would say it in that way. But that idea of being confident, of committing, of, of believing first. And, you know, a lot of times, I think if you've been listening to the podcast, we kind of make references to that's part of what we do in our work is, is help people find that mentality. And I think the conversation with Allison and Scott shows that a little bit. Like, how do we do that? Well, we help you slow down and we help you think about if you had more time than you realize. Who should we talk to? Who should we enlist for help? 
what if we designed around being sure that we were going to be successful instead of designed around thinking that we were going to fail? And, you know, there's a lot more content and, and that kind of came out in the interview, but I really, I was really struck as they were talking about, oh, this is why I like City of Hope so much is they're always creating from a place of optimism. You know, they, they really live their brand. And, and I'd love to say that every nonprofit and every socially conscious business was that way. And it's just not, you know, it's hard to be in that place. Sometimes it's hard to deprogram from the mentality that it's all about to fall apart. But if you can see that that's a mirage and you can, you can see how blessed you are. There, there's so many things that you can create from that. And I just think City of Hope, you know, they had every reason to not do this event and they wouldn't because they wanted to serve the people around them. And it turned out to be an incredible success. So I just love that. Yeah, and it's really fulfilling work. I think one of our sweet spots, if you will, or our superpowers is the ability to deeply listen. And we were given that opportunity in our discovery with them to talk to such amazing people and extract the themes that matter. And then reflecting that back so they could um, really digest the diversity and the commonalities of the feedback of what went well and what didn't go well. And what the leadership really wanted to see and was hopeful for, for the years to come. Um, that is so fulfilling for us because we get to not only help an institution or a company slow down to really get to the depth and breadth of the potential. Oftentimes what we're faced with or see out there is there's such running that so many are on the hamster wheel that it's surface level conversations that lead to urgency of decisions and urgency of financial goals and targets that miss the mark of the depth that's on offer. And we were really given an opportunity to go deep with them and to listen and to extract the themes that could help in a strategic way for them to make the best decision of how they're going to proceed. And that's really fulfilling work for us. And would just say, if you're an organization yourself listening to this, or you know other companies or nonprofits that are looking to really deepen the quality of impact, um, really deepen the quality of alignment with your team, really deepen the quality of your strategy and leadership, like we would love to help. And that's, you know, I think what lights us up is that the intersection of fulfillment, both in seeing a client succeed, but also in the way that we get to go about it of going deep with clients is, is really enjoyable. Yeah. You know, Jen, I love that point. And maybe I'll just, I'll underline it a bit. You know, we say that if you want to make a difference in the world, you need a different kind of consultant. So one of the things that Allison said that I thought was brilliant, and, and hopefully if you were listening, you heard it from both of them. At no point did they say the reason they were doing it is because they needed money. There were deeper whys, there were deeper reasons. And I know that we can help you find those, right? So as Jen said, if you're stuck or you can't find the way forward or you're, you're at a point in growth where you just need new thinking, I think one of the best things we do at Plenty is help people get in touch with the whys that really matter, that motivate their team and their community, help you connect with those, and then growth results, right? But when we start with we need money, man, nothing great comes of that. So if you're ready for a different way of thinking to get better results than you've gotten before, email us at Jennifer and Jeff at plentyconsulting.com and we'd love to talk with you. The other thing we wanted to make sure that you know, and I can't remember two weeks ago if we announced this or not, but our 2021 dates for Lantern, our leadership retreat are now live on our site, June and October, four days a piece. It's an incredible almost a week with us. Um, we know because we did it in 2020 in October that we can do it safely. So if you're concerned about travel or um, social distance or all of that stuff, come have the most connective, socially distanced week <laughs> you're ever going to have. We're going to keep you really safe. 
as we explore, and I mean that physically, and but I also mean it emotionally, because we are going to explore so many things about you and what matters to you. And it's, it's an incredible week. Um, so I don't, what else would you say about Lantern Gen other than everybody listening needs to get there? Wait, we're back. <laughs> 2021, the year of Zoom continues and great internet. We lost Jen, but she's back in the front lobby of HeartSpace. You were saying something brilliant. We, whenever we get- <laughs> It was perfect, damn it. Anyway, you had asked me about, what would I say about Lantern? <laughs> and I would say it's one of the most fulfilling things we get to facilitate and that we get to be a part of. It's just a really juicy, meaningful, in-depth experience on exploring your own leadership and what matters as you reinvent, as you rebirth, you recreate a new chapter for yourself. And for those you lead, um, really being in conversation with other amazing leaders from all over the world that come to Heart Space to spend these four days um, to reflect on who you are, what matters most, and how you want to lead going forward. So we'd love for you to come. Please check us out at plentyconsulting.com on our website. And um, we'd love to have you. We know that it will be one of the most meaningful experiences you'll have in 2021. Yes. Thank you. Well said. Way to to pinch hit. The internet. We're tempting the Zoom gods. So I'm going to wrap us up. We're also giving Sierra a lot of editing to do. So, hey, thanks for listening. Join us next week. We have an incredible guest for next week. We can't wait for you to meet. We're going to go further into the idea of um, navigating uncertainty and leading high-performing teams through challenging times. So it's one you're going to want to want to catch. But thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please um, review us, subscribe, and more than anything, share. We we really appreciate talking with you every week. And until next week, from from Indiana and Utah. Bye, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Farewell, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at plentyconsulting.com.